You're listening to a sermon podcast from Agape Baptist Church, recorded live from our Sunday service. Good morning, church. The scripture reading for today is taken from the book of Song of Songs, chapter 2, verses 8 to 17. The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom, they give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. O oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He graces among the lilies, until the day breathes, and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or like a stag on the cleft mountains. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord bless you, church. Praise the Lord. This is the uh, third in a series of five messages on the songs, uh, songs of Solomon. We are calling it the songs for the heart. And uh, this is about marriage, sex, and singleness. So, uh, in, uh, today's sermon is called Changing the Seasons in Your Marriage, based on a text that we just looked at, Songs 2, 8 to 17. You know, in our 38 years of marriage, my wife Christina and I must have sinned against each other thousands of times. And at a, on this, in the same vein, we probably had loved each other and hugged each other thousands of times as well. We have had many ups and downs, like any one of us who has been married here. Raising the kids was not easy. Pastoring a, a, a fledgling little church in the early years was very, very challenging. Uh, in the early years, we also struggled financially. Over the years, of course, the kids, by God's grace, grew up. Uh, the church matured and grew, and uh, lives somewhat got better for us, and uh, I know that this is not true. Uh, that is not the order for everyone, but by God's grace, it all went well. But between all of that, Christina and I must have fought and repented, fought and repented thousands of times. In fact, we still fight, and, we still con- and I think we will continue to fight until we return to the Lord. Yet, people, in, 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 in our 38 years of marriage, there has been unbelievable, exciting times, unbelievable, trying times, and unbelievable, ordinary, mundane times. In summary, the 38 years have been ups and downs, and I foresee that the years ahead will still be full of ups and downs, and there has been dry and dark seasons for us, but there has also been bright and vibrant seasons. 
And I trust that that will continue until our, our last breath. Marriage is seasonal, people. Every couple goes through these different seasons of marriage. And for most of our lives, Christina and I lived in Singapore, and as a result of that, uh, we never saw any climatical seasonal changes, and we never experienced that. But then in 2012, we headed to New York City for our sabbatical. That was a precious time. It was just the two of us. We didn't have the kids with us. And uh, we arrived in New York City in mid-March, where it was still winter, and it was very cold. Uh, because we were not very prepared at that time, we had to go to the second-hand stores to get warmer winter wear. But within weeks, we experienced spring. And that's, you know, Christina is into flowers, and she would take hundreds and hundreds of photos of flowers, you know, in the parks, on the streets. Uh, we even bought a potted tulip plant uh, for, for our windowsill and our apartment uh, at Washington Heights, where we used to live. And then as June arrived, the heat was worse than it was in Singapore. And, and although it was dry, and we were ready then to head back home. Marriage grows, goes through the seasons. And the question is, how do we navigate from winter to spring? Sometimes marriages are in winter when things are really hard. You feel the distance in the relationship between husband and wife. There is some tension. Sometimes you get into a rut. Some of us experience seasons of depression in the marriage. Some others, seasons of conflict and tension. Others are trying to figure out parenting or the challenges that come with parenting. And then there are financial stresses as well. So every marriage will find itself in these seasons of winter. Now what we see in the songs this morning, the text that we look at, is that here is this husband, and he is leading his marriage, and he's leading his wife out of the season of winter into the pleasures and joy and intimacy of spring. That's what we're going to see this morning. And this man, people, this man is an absolute stud. If, if, if he has any insecurities at all, we don't hear of them in the songs. He is an initiator. He just comes after his bride. He takes responsibility for their marriage and he pursues her in the date of their winter season. He doesn't pout. He doesn't run away from the problems. He just goes after her. And here is a picture of what a man should be. This is the picture of masculinity. You remember that this is a song and it is not a story. So you don't get to the specifics here. You don't know why their marriage is in a winter season. All we know is that this man leads his marriage out of winter into spring in a way that only a man who knows the Lord can do. And that's what we're going to, do, going to see today, this morning. So if there's anything that I want men in our church to take away from this sermon today is this. And this sermon is specifically for the guys. And so if you are 
a woman here, please don't flip up your phone and start looking at Facebook and Instagram. I mean, you would love to hear this as well. I mean, every woman is interested in her man, all right? But what I want to say to the guys here is that you are this man, all right? You are capable of what this man in the song is capable of. And this, this doesn't have to be about marriage. It could be about anything. I mean, what makes this man capable to lead his bride out of winter into the spring is what will make us capable of leading our church, for example, out of winter into spring, or our city, or our community, or our family, or our life out of, out of winter into, into spring. You have this ability. You have this strength. You have the Spirit of God in you. You know, over the last 50 years, the heart and soul of men have been ripped out by the world. The world has taught us, that, uh, taught, taught men a very romantic, idolized version of masculinity. We now have a whole generation of boys and men addicted to pornography and video games as a way of escape from reality. And therefore, men have forgotten how to fight for what is right, how to fight for what is godly, how to fight for what is holy and pure. They have forgotten how to fight for their wives and how to fight for their sons and their daughters. And, and they have forgotten how to exercise their masculinity for the flourishing of their family. And if today you are a man chosen and called by Jesus Christ and restored by Jesus, then you are capable to lead your family. The problem with men is not that you are weak or you are pathetic or insufficient or unable. The problem is that you don't know who you are. The problem is that you don't know how you are, you, you are able to act, uh, actually do this. You, 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 you just don't know the authority that you have from God. You do not know how influential you are as a father, as a, as a husband, as a man. And, 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 and you don't know the capacity that you actually have in Christ, powered by the Spirit. That's the problem. We have forgotten who we are. And we need to be reminded of who we are. And so I, I, I want to remind you of who you are today. And I want to look at this song, and I want to see how, how he sings her out of winter into spring. And we'll, we'll learn some lessons from that. So what I'm going to do today is we're going to look at four ways. Um, it's not moving here. Yeah. Could you help me out there? Yep. We're, looking, we're going to look at four ways to change the seasons in our lives. And the first of it is leaping and bounding. Now we are going to look at chapter 2, verse 8 to verse 9. And it says this. The voice of the beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle and a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows and looking through the lattice. The husband here is pursuing his bride. She sees him coming and look at the way that he comes. He is leaping and bounding. He's not walking towards this girl. He's not even doing a slow jog. He's leaping and bounding. You know what that means? 
That means there is a sense of energy in the way that he pursues her. There's a sense of eagerness, there's enthusiasm, there's excitement. He's coming after her. He's going to love her despite whatever low their, their marriage is experiencing. He's going to woo her out of it. He's going to call her out of it. And nothing is going to stop him. It says he's leaping over the mountains. Mountains could be obstacles, could be hindrances, could be challenges. But he's leaping over the mountains. He's bounding over the hills. Nothing will stop him. The mountain could be a misunderstanding between the two of them. It could be some mistrust that has developed in the relationship. It could be a sin or it could be a long illness that they're struggling with. But he is determined. He's saying, I'm going to pray and plead with the Lord to deliver us from out of this. You know, there's a bad conflict in our, in our marriage. We, it looks like we're in a rut, but I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be gentle. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to woo her back. I'm going to lead her out of this winter and into spring. And it doesn't matter the obstacle. It doesn't matter uh, what is in our way. I am just going to pursue her and nothing is going to stop me. Now, husbands, do you remember when, when was the last time when nothing would stop you to be with your girl? I suppose you had to go back to your courting years, right? Do you remember that? That you would take a bus from, say, Tuas to Changi just to be with her? You would do that. You will go through anything. I mean, you will, you will try to leave work early, even if you have a bunch of work to do, and leave it for tomorrow, couldn't be bothered with it, so that you could be with her. Your guy friends invite you out to go out and, and hang out together, and you will tell them, I'm sorry, I can't be with you, because I want to be with my girlfriend. You were that guy. Every one of us guys who have caught it, you know, know that we were that guy. Do you remember those days? when you would do anything for your girlfriend, for your wife, for your marriage? I mean, you, 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 what happened to that guy? You know, guys have an inert desire to pursue their girlfriends and their wives. They just have it. Do you know why? Do you know where that came from? It's because we are made in the image of God. Do you know that Jesus pursues his bride at all costs? That nothing would stop Jesus to come and rescue his bride, the church, and deliver her out of winter into spring? That there is no obstacle he would submit to, not even death, not the grave, not even your sin. And, and so this husband in the, in, in the songs is leaping and bounding towards his girl. There's nothing more manly, guys. There's nothing more godly that, that you can do than to lead your wife and to lead your marriage out of winter into spring. Then look at verse, verse 9. She sees him coming. And she says, look at that stud. She calls him a young stag. You know what's a young stag? It's a young deer. It's strong. It's agile. You know, it leaps and it bounds and wives. Your husband would live longer and stronger if you just call him a young stag. 
He wouldn't need water or food or anything. Even if he's wobbling around, call him a stag. He would do anything for you. He could become brave heart if you call him a stag. And she calls him a young stag. And she sees him coming. And then it looks like he's stalking her. Because he says that she's gazing, he's gazing through the window. He's looking through the lattice. That, that it looks shady. But people, it is not. This is his bride. This is his wife. He's not stalking her. Here's what's happening. You see, I mentioned this last week. Throughout the song, there's this constant playfulness between this husband and his wife. People, that's a beautiful ingredient in marriage. Any healthy marriage, no matter how, how long you've been married, must not lose out on this thing called playfulness between the couple. And, this, and, and when he's leaping and he, over the mountains, he's bounding over the hills, and then he stops at the door, at her door, and he woos her out. He invites her out. He's not going to demand his own way. He's not going to insist on his own, uh, on his own way. He's not like saying, he's not grabbing her and saying that, snap out of it, you woman. It's enough of this depression. Why are you always like that? Get out of it. He's not doing that. No, no, he's, he woos her. He's going to invite her. He's going to call her to himself out of winter into spring. And he's, he's going to be gentle and he's going to be tender. You know, and in, later on, you're going to see this in another verse where the bride, is, the wife is, 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 a, is like a dove. Her eyes are like doves. And then again, he says, she's like a lily. People, you don't stomp on lilies. You don't shout at doves. You woo them. We are gentle with them. We are tender with them. And that's what he's doing. He looks at the window and he calls her out. That's the first thing. The second way that you do this is to move to change the seasons. It's wooing and leading. We've already seen some of this. We're going to see more of it coming up here. And then in verse 10, all the way to verse 13, this is the way it reads. Here he begins to call her and he's speaking now. And he says, my beloved speaks. She says this, my beloved speaks and says to me, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come. The voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig trees ripen in figs and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. You, do you notice what this is? This is an invitation. It's an invitation out of winter into spring. He's saying, winter's, ho winter's over, honey. The flowers are blooming. The, the, the vines are ripening. The fruit is bearing. He's giving her a positive outlook of what their marriage could be. He says, it's not winter anymore. Let's wake up our marriage. He's initiating. You know, let's bring the marriage into spring. And he's saying, I'm going to lead you into this. Because spring is a universal metaphor for love and intimacy. Animals mate in spring. And he's inviting them to renew their marriage and to be intimate, and to come into the pleasures and the joys of, of spring. And this is an exciting part of their marriage. You know, people, there are different seasons. 
But guys, we have the responsibility to lead our bride in our marriage. Out of the coldness or the bitterness, the damnness or the distance or the, or the darkness of winter into the vigor and the freshness of spring. You know, it's so easy to get caught up in the mundane of life. It's so easy to get into a rut in a marriage that you kind of lose the leaping and the, and, and the bounding and the vigor after a couple of years, especially after the children come. And you stop pursuing, you stop coming after one another because the ordinary mundane uh, season of life just, just weighs you down, drains you out. It gets in the way and the, and the, and the obstacles become, looks like it's too high to climb over. But we just need to remember these guys that the responsibility of the husband is to infuse into the ordinary of marriage and the mundane of life springtime vigor. It is in your hands. Practically what this means is that if you were just, you know, if you just call your wife out, take her out on a date, take her to an evening walk by the park, hold her hands, you know, have that little secret garden space for one another where you could speak gently to her, where you could hear her heart out, where you could pray with her uh, over, in the morning or over mealtimes, where you buy her a gift every now and then, not just for her birthdays and for anniversaries, you know, or, or just do whatever, whatever that will lead you both to break the routine and infuse some spring into the mundane, ordinary vibe of daily life. Initiate some creativity. Introduce some playfulness. And wives, may I just say this to you? Please respond to those initiatives. If your husband wants to do something for you that is out of the ordinary, in the mundaneness of life, don't brush them aside and say, don't be so silly lah. You know, so already still want to do this kind of things. Joy. Don't say that. No, don't say that we are no longer courting. Stop it. Don't discourage your man. If he wants to be a stag, even though his hair is grey, let him be. And allow him to do that. Get into the springtime of marriage. And stay in the springtime. That's what... That's what this guy is doing here. He's leading her out of the mundane and the winter of marriage and wooing her out of this rut that they're in to bring them into spring. The third thing is this. Catch the foxes. The, the third way of changing that season, and it comes out here in verses 14 and 15, it says, oh my dove, and he's talking to, 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 to his wife, and he now sees her in the clefts of the rock. And he says, oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch the, the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. If you remember, this is a song not a story, so we don't get the specifics, specifics of, of, of why she is now on the cliff. She's a dove, but now she's on the cliff. She's in the cracks. 
She's away from the vineyard. She's away from the garden where the flowers are blooming and where the, where the water fountains are. She's, she's not there anymore. She's on the cliff right now. She's in the cracks and she's on the rocks. In other words, she's not in the place of flourishing. There's something going on with her. Maybe it's the exhaustion of caring for the young kids. Maybe she is in the darkness of some depression. Maybe she's in a rut of some marital conflicts that she finds that she doesn't understand and she cannot resolve. Maybe something is happening here to her. The marriage is on the rocks. And she's hiding as a little dove on the cliff. She's scared. She's lonely. Her soul is frozen. She is in winter. And he's trying to invite her into spring. He's wooing her. And he's saying, let me see your face, baby. You know, it's, it's lovely. You know, let me hear your voice. It's sweet. He's leading her and, he, and he's wooing her. And he's praying for and calling her to come out so that they may renew their intimacy and revive their marriage. That's what he's saying here. And then look at verse 15. Now, we don't know who's speaking here. It could be she who's speaking or he who's speaking, but it really doesn't matter because it could be both of them. Because he's calling her to grab the foxes. And, and I think it is, it's him basically, but what's happening here is that there are foxes in the vineyard and they must be caught. See, the vineyard people throughout the song, in general, is about the woman. The woman is a vineyard. It is her body. It's more specifically it's her intimacy, her desires. It's her soul, her inner life, her sexuality. And that's the vine. And so the foxes are now coming to get the vineyard. So, she need, so, so he needs to catch them. There's something that is hindering her desires. There's something that is hindering her joy. There's something inside her that's hindering the intimacy between them. She finds that she just cannot feel close to him. The foxes are ruining the vineyard. And the foxes are anything that will come into the vineyard when the grapes are ripening and eat up the fruits, steal the fruits of the marriage. Anything that will hinder, that, 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 that will hinder the oneness of the marriage relationship, it needs to be caught. It could be that she is overly worried, that she's fearful. Maybe, no, she's concerned that the bills are not yet paid or the kids are not doing well in school. Maybe there's a relational issue with the in-laws. It could be that, you know, that, that, that she's, she's suffering from some kind of a, of, of a physical condition, an illness. It could be a myriad of things in her heart and in her mind. But there are these little foxes that are eating away her peace, eating away her joy. And the husband needs to catch the little foxes. He needs to get to the root of her fears, the root of her anxieties. What it means here, people, is that he needs to listen to her heart. And he needs to know her pain. He needs to act like a man and not find an escape route in pornography or sports or food or silence or drinking. He has to work on relieving the fear and anxiety of his wife. And the husband really has to work hard in getting the foxes out of the vineyard, whenever, whatever that looks like. Husbands, what are the foxes in your marriage right now? Do you know? Can you identify them? 
What's hindering your intimacy? What's hindering her desires? What's putting her on a cliff? Is there an unresolved conflict? Is there some kind of an underneath the surface, there's something that you're really not getting to? That you're not going into the depths of what things are? Husbands, are you actively seeking to relieve your wife of her anxieties? What does it look like for you to find the foxes and to catch the foxes and then to get them out of the vineyard? One of the best ways that you can do this is to keep short accounts in your marriage. Don't let things fester. Don't let things go on for days and for weeks. The other thing that you should do in order to in order to catch the foxes, is go beyond administrative talk with your wife. Like, the, the, the only times that you converse with them, with her, is like, hey, have you done the marketing? I mean, huh, uh, 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 have you called the tuition teacher for the kids? You know, have you done this? Have you done that? And that, that's administrative talk. Go beyond that. Ask about, ask after your wife. Listen to her heart. I know this is a very difficult thing for us guys to do, to listen to the heart of our wives because sometimes they just don't talk straight. They go round and round. But I tell you, that's how you get to the foxes in the vineyard. It's hard work. And put these things into the rhythms and, and, and the habits of your marriage. And maybe we can stay in spring a lot longer. Maybe we can get out of winter a lot quicker. And that's what he's doing right here. The husband is pursuing, wooing, calling, and leading her out of winter into spring. And there's one more thing. Pursuing despite the odds. Look at verse 16. Onwards. My, verse 16 onwards. My beloved is mine and I'm his. And this is one of the most, most beautiful, beautiful Love statements in the Bible. My beloved is mine and I am his. He grazes among the lilies. Until the day breathes and a shadow flee, turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. This is one of the choruses of the song, one of the refrains of the song that you will hear time and again. In fact, you hear it three times repeated. It's unbelievably important and it's unbelievably beautiful. The language here, people, is covenant language. My beloved is mine and I am his. There is mutual possession. There's a sense of oneness. The two are becoming one. And this is the language of marriage and covenant love. You know, in the book of Hosea, there's another beautiful love story. And you may, you, you may know it already. God calls the prophet Hosea to marry a prostitute. Her name is Gomer. And she says to, God says to Hosea, I want you to leap and I want you to bound towards her. Even when she's unfaithful to you. I want you to keep coming after her. And Hosea obeys God. And he keeps going after her again and again. Even when she goes and sleeps with other men. Even when she's unfaithful to the marriage. People, Hosea is a picture of true masculinity. That's what a man is to be like. The reason why I say this is because God himself did that in Jesus Christ. That God will love us in Christ. That, uh, that God was saying to Hosea that my, this is a picture of my love for my people, the church. 
Because Jesus is going to come and he's going to love unlovely, unfaithful people. He's going to love the Gomez of this world and he's going to leave and bound towards them in covenantal love. This again, people, is so telling that whatever the problem, the, the distance, the conflict in the marriage, it is the husband who pursues the wife. It is the husband who's responsible to take the initiative to pursue the wife and lead her out into the place of renewal in their covenant, in the context of their marriage. That's what hus this husband is doing. And she responds to him. And the wife in our text responds to him by giving herself to him in verse 16. It says, he grazes among the lilies. Do you know what that is? That is sexual intimacy. They are renewing their covenant. They are making love. And that's what it is. He graces among the lilies. The metaphor suddenly changes from leaping and bounding over the mountains to grazing among the lilies. There's intimacy now. They're renewing their covenant with sex. It's like she is finally free from the little foxes. She's free to give herself to him completely. Her anxieties are gone. Her fears are melted away. The oneness is restored. And now they're celebrating that oneness with the sex act. And so, he has led her now and wooed her and caught the foxes that were hindering their intimacy. And he has called her out of the cliff and into the springtime. Husbands, Listen. Here's what I want you to hear, and here's what I want you to know. You are this man. You are the leaping and bounding one. You don't, you don't have to become this. You are this. The reason I say this is because in 1 Corinthians 11, 7, it says, you are the image and the glory of Jesus. And if Jesus has restored you and, you, and, and He has pursued you and He has saved you and He has delivered you, then you are this man. Adam's sin was that he was forgetting who he was and thinking that he was something else. That's our sin too. We often forget who we are and we become what we are not. The message of the gospel is that Jesus became fully man and was tempted and tried in every way, that, like the way that we are, but he did not forget who God was, and he did not forget who he was in relation to God. He knew that he is the Son, the beloved Son filled with the Spirit, and, and, and if you are in Christ, you too are a Son filled with the Spirit of God, and not just a Son, but a leaping and bounding one, just like Jesus towards his beloved this is how you become Christ-like in your masculinity. And if you've forgotten that, your job today is to be reminded of who you are. And that's what you need to do today. And I don't have to tell you to be, to be, to be a man that you already are. The world's idea of a man is crushing beer cans, cursing words, being aggressive, but people, that's a low bar for masculinity. You know why? Because any man can do that. That's not manhood. A true man is one who knows how to get to the heart of his wife. He knows how to woo her. 
He knows how to love her and calm her anxieties and her fears and give her security and make her feel safe. He treats her like a, like a dove. He treats her like a lily. And he takes personal responsibility. He, men lead their wives out of winter into spring. Men die for their wives and their children. They serve the community. That's what a man does. And maybe life is too hard for you. Maybe you're so tired as a man that you, you, you go into cheap secret thrills like pornography that, that, that will actually wear out your soul and make you even more tired. And you find yourself losing your vigor to leap and to bound through the obstacles to lead your wife. But you need to know this, that the war has been won by Jesus Christ on the cross and that He has set an example for what it means to be a real man in a real world. Jesus Christ woos us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And He invites us, every, every one of us husbands, to leap and bound over every possible obstacle to woo our wives and their, in their winters. I don't know how, how up on a cliff your marriage is or how broken it is. I don't know how deep into the cracks your wife is. I just don't know. I don't know how scared a dove she is. And this may take a long time, but listen, let this affirm you. Let this be true in your heart. You got to hear this. You are the man for her. You are the man that God gave her. And you got to understand that. God in His infinite wisdom and in His sovereignty over all things gave one of His daughters to you, and that is your wife. There is no other man for her. There is no other man that could, that could lead her in the marriage out of whatever brokenness she's facing. You are the man that God gave her. You are the stag. You are the leaping and the bounding one, empowered by God, the Son of the Most High God. Some of us guys today, we need to repent. We need to repent for being just too laid back. Others of us need to repent for blaming our wives for the problems instead of taking responsibility. And we have not taken the initiative to lead our wives, to woo them like the way that Jesus pursues the church. But it's time to remember that we are the men that God has called to bring healing and flourishing first to our wives, then to our families, and then to our church and our community. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Our dear Father, we come before you, Lord, and we ask, O oh God, that your word will go deep into our hearts. Father, I thank you for every man in this room. I thank you, Lord, that because we have been called, chosen, cleansed, and Lord, saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be like him, O oh Lord. We thank you for Jesus who pursues us even in our sins, even in our unfaithfulness. He's there, wooing us, calling us back to himself, bringing us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Father, Lord, may the Spirit of Christ rest upon us. Even as we go back to our wives and to our families, Lord, help us rise up to that calling, O oh Lord. Empower us, energize us, Help us to come to our wives leaping and bounding. 
to catch those little foxes, to woo them, O oh Lord, and to pursue against all odds, and to win their hearts again. For that, Lord, we seek your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you open up your hands, dear people, to receive the blessing, whether you're at home watching the live stream or whether you're here, would you just open your hands before the Lord and receive the, the benediction. My dear Father, we come before you, Lord, and we seek you for protection. Especially, Lord, with the COVID cases arising, we pray you protect us. Our coming in and our going out, our families, our children, our elderly. Father, everyone, Lord, who belongs to this house, I pray, O oh God, for your mighty protection upon us, that we'll be kept well, kept safe, such that, Lord, that we will continue to glorify you and to serve you and to be a blessing to our homes, to our wives, to our husbands, to our children, to our relatives, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our colleagues, to the city. So, Father, we pray your protection. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast. You can find more of our sermons online on our website at www.agape.org.sg